Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on Thursday night. Getting the Friday show up for you a little bit early. For all of you that uh, like it early, I, I've been a little more regular as of late. I'd like to get a little credit for that. Uh, yeah, it's because I've been getting up earlier, too. And uh, even with all this new cool stuff on Netflix, I've, I haven't been able to stay up late. But it's been a busy couple days. Uh, we'll be ready to make some announcements really soon. You know, My wife and I are uh, starting another business venture, bringing something totally cool to Starkville. Can't make any formal announcements yet, but I can tell you we've had a good couple days. Uh, you know, got some funding in place, signing some agreements. There's all this red tape you got to go through, and uh, of course you got to pick out a retail space and all that. So that process is really just beginning. But um, we're in the process of bringing something super cool to Starkville, and uh, I'll tell you a few things. Uh, why that's so rewarding to me? Number one, I'm going to have a bit of a normal life again. You know, my wife will be home uh, 365. You know, travel nursing thing for the last uh, year and a half has been very difficult. But uh, yeah, you do what you got to do until you can do what you want to do. And so back in November, had the opportunity to kind of start kicking this thing around a little bit. We talked to some people, did our due diligence, uh, talked to other people all around the country that are involved with this company, and uh, got a lot of feedback. It was very positive, and got some feedback, too, that was in- informative, too, that maybe wasn't so positive. It wasn't necessarily negative. But it was positive, but I think it's an amazing business model, and uh, it looks like the bank agrees. That's always a good thing. But we're going to be opening it soon, so we'll share it with you here as soon as we can. Hope to be open by the end of the year. There's a lot that goes into all that stuff. So, so yeah, so today, I, I didn't have a lot planned for today, and then all this kind of, you know, like, hey, this is going on, and we got to do this, and you got to get your LLC registered and get your EIN number, and there's all this stuff you got to do. And so we're still kind of working through the red tape, and then uh, here in a couple weeks, about three weeks, we are uh, supposed to head to California. So again, more information on that as we get a little bit closer. And uh, you know, I'm a road warrior, so I'm not opposed to driving across the country. And it's like people say, Steve, it's so much more convenient to fly. Number one, I hate flying. I do. I was on a plane that almost crashed one time. I don't like flying. But number two, when else will I get a chance to do that? I've driven to California before. And uh, sometimes I like getting on the road and, and cranking up some tunes, working on some top 10 lists for all of you. Just kind of enjoy taking the scenery in this great country of ours. Going to be on the road a lot here the next uh, several days, too. You know, we'll leave in the morning, go to Auburn. I've got a lunch deal over there tomorrow. And uh, supposedly get a chance to see some of the facilities while I'm over there. That'll be cool. And then we'll take on Auburn in baseball. We get right back Sunday night. We'll spend Monday here, record a Monday show. And then Tuesday, we got to head down to Pearl, take on the Ole Miss Rebels again in baseball. Come back home. we got a Wednesday show to record. And then we hit the road that afternoon for Knoxville. Thursday night, we play the University of Tennessee. So Friday morning, I will record your show 
and then we'll go play them again Friday and Saturday, and we're back home for a bit. So a lot of windshield time ahead for your good friend and host, but we'll make the most of it. You know, me and Ruby, you know, we, that's my traveling companion, my Mustang. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't real crazy about getting a new car. She's probably the first new car I got in my life I wasn't excited about. But now that I've had her for a while, she's reliable, got all the buzzers and whistles, and um, it's been a blast. So I don't mind getting out and riding a little bit. I got it too anyway, right? I mean, I'm a busy guy. I'm always on the road. But the reality of it is, is that, uh, you know, there comes a time in life when you got to make some, uh, some important decisions, right? I mean, you know, it's like you can say, okay, hey, what we're doing now is good, but what if it could be great? And that's kind of where I think we are. You know, it's like, hey, what we're doing is good, but what if we did this? What if we owned another business? You know, of course, we own jeanspage.com and and uh, that's been ex- extremely successful over the years. I give Gene a lot of credit for building a very solid business. We're having a record year. I mean, since in the time that I've taken over, I think we've had uh, five out of six record months. So we're doing great. And I want to thank you guys for that. I don't have a, a new book on the market this year, but uh, we're talking about writing one later this year, probably knock it out this summer. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I don't want to make any firm commitments on that. But I got a lot going on. But I think to myself, too, you know, what would make our life better as a family, you know? And uh, Ian's going to be going to Mississippi State next year, so we're going to be empty nesters, and uh, which would mean I would be an empty nester, you know, most of the time by my lonesome, and I don't do well by my lonesome. So nevertheless, this is what we decided to do. So I'll have more information for you soon. There have been so many people that have reached out and asked and offered their support. It's been tremendous. But one of the cool things about it, and uh, Dane and I spoke about this at length yesterday when we got our approval it's like, you know, it's not just the fact that it's going to make our lives better. It's going to make people in Starkville's lives better. And it makes me feel even prouder about, you know, hey, this is my home, right? But not only do we live here and we consume here, right, and we recreate here and things of that nature, we're going to be contributing a lot more here. We're really putting some roots down here. It's not just buying a home, raising my kids here in town. You know, we're, going to, we're going to do something to help the community of Starkville. And so I'm excited about it, and I look forward to sharing more details with you. And again, you know, if I end up driving to California, you know, I, don't, I can't knock that out one day. I probably could, me and some coffee and uh, maybe a monster or two. I could probably knock it out, maybe listen to the entire White Snake catalog on the road or something like that, knock out some Dateline podcasts. But, um, you know, the way I look at it, too, is if even if we fly out there, we got to rent a car and all that kind of stuff. And so... I don't know. It's therapeutic for me. Driving is therapeutic. Some people say, Steve, I don't know how you do it. Well, it's really all I've known, man, for much of my adult life is being on the road a lot. And so we spend a lot of money on tires in this family and oil changes and things like that. I know when I was going back and forth to New Mexico, I was getting my oil change once a month. Uh, but, you know, that's a deal. And so this is what I feel like we need to do, not just for us, but for the, really the betterment of our community. And so excited about it. I hate to be cryptic about it, but you know, once we pay that franchise fee and everything else and get the go-ahead from the company, uh, give a thumbs up on that. We'll start marketing, and I'll share with you guys too. And, uh, of course, the new company will be, uh, will be a sponsor of this show. And I hope that we have many of you Boneyard listeners coming to hang with us. So there you go. But I can promise you this. It's, um, it's not a new Mexican restaurant. It's not a new barbecue place. Uh, it's not a, a payday lending store or anything like that, you know. Not a liquor store. Uh, something really cool. 
Not that I have anything against those type of businesses, but the last thing we need in Starbucks was another Mexican restaurant. And, I, and listen, I eat that. I, I ate it. Let's see. I ate at uh, three of them in the last two weeks, three different ones. So I frequent those places a lot. I won't name them because, you know, we have a advertising agreement with Bulldog Burger Company. So I don't like to promote other, other eateries on the show. But uh, I, I, I eat other places than Bulldog Burger Company, right? Uh, but speaking of Bulldog Burger Company, that's where you need to eat today. If you're in Starkville, Tupelo, or the greater Jackson area, you need to go by and eat at Bulldog Burger Company today. You owe it to yourself. It's Friday. Treat yourself to the delicacies of the great restaurant-quality hamburger. It's amazing. And uh, I told you, I'm really high on this new Mississippi barbecue burger. And uh, I noticed, too, one of my Facebook friends uh, made a post and said, Hey, one of my friends from Kentucky, Chris and Eli, said, Hey, we went down to Bulldog Burger Company. It's everything Steve Robertson said it is. And I had the Mississippi barbecue burger. I didn't even tell him to do that. But I'm telling you, if you haven't been in a while, or maybe you have been and you haven't tried that, you owe it to yourself to have that Mississippi barbecue burger. I've also had the pulled pork grilled cheese. And I'm a bit of a pulled pork grilled cheese connoisseur, but there's something about the sauce in the new Bulldog Burger Company pulled pork grilled cheese. To me, it really sets it apart. So go by and check those things out. You know, have those uh, pork belly and uh, chorizo nachos. I've had that too. I'm really a spring rolls guy. Like when I had the grilled cheese, I had the spring rolls. And then I had those nachos over the weekend. And so I was there a couple days last week. Uh, you need to be there too. Get the chocolate shake to go. I got the Nutella shake to go the last time I was there. I, and so I don't, it's not just one of these things, guys, where this is some paid promotion. I'm a raving fan of Bulldog Burger Company, and you should be too. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's take a quick look at the Auburn Tigers. It has been an interesting year. It is basically the same year we're having, except we've won one more series than they have. Right? That's how it's all shaking out. They're 21, 15, and 1 because they had that tie with USC. They're 5 and 10 in a conference. They've won one game in a row. We've won two. And so we are very, very similar in many respects. And I don't know if you saw earlier today, uh, I'm going to look up the young lady's name because I want to give her credit. A lot of times I'll dig up some obscure uh, type statistics and people will just kind of take them. And, you know, they're, they're there for anybody, right? I mean, they really are. So you can't get too butthurt about that. But... When somebody goes and puts in the work to put a number out there, you know, I want to give them credit as best we can. That, that's just, you know, it's the right thing to do. Maybe you disagree. But it's Aria Gershon, or Gerson, you know, she uh, covers Vanderbilt. Had a chance to meet her uh, at the SEC tournament, of course, out at Omaha. But she took the time to put this together. At the half point, halfway point of SEC play, she put every SEC baseball team's pitching staff by strikeout weight, rate, walk rate, and uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio in conference games. Now, we've been somewhat better in conference games, not to be confused with good. But some interesting numbers here. Strikeout per nine innings, your number one team in the RPI, Kentucky, is at the bottom, 7.67. They're pitching to contact. Georgia, who picked up a big win tonight. We'll talk about that later. 
8.26, Arkansas 8.48, Vandy 8.63, Auburn 8.65. So they're striking out just under nine a game. So basically one an inning. Ole Miss just over one an inning at 9.14, Alabama 9.18, Missouri 9.44. You're thinking surely he's going to get to Mississippi State. Yeah, eventually. Texas A&M 9.64, South Carolina 9.67. And then there's your Bulldogs, fourth in the league in strikeouts per nine inning at 10.08. Tennessee, Florida, and LSU are ahead. Of course, LSU riding the strength of Paul Skeens, who's been an absolute phenomenon this year. But there you go, ten, oh, just over 10 Ks per game for Bulldog pitchers. Now, the walks, on the other hand, a little bit different. We still have some issues with the walks. I think we all see that. I mean, it's not, it's not like, it's not all of a sudden like it's some type of rocket science, right? You didn't, you didn't need somebody to work this out for you. Uh, so we'll start at the top and work our way down. Walks per nine inning, Vanderbilt just under three at 2.94. Then there's Tennessee, Alabama, South Carolina. Arkansas is the last one under four. Ole Miss at 4.6. LSU right at five. Florida, 5.67. Kentucky, 5.72. Georgia, 5.83. A&M just over six. Missouri, one one hundredth of a point better or or worse. And then there's your Bulldogs, 13th in the league at 6.5. Last place in the league is Auburn. Just over seven walks per game, 7.39. So it's like you think, hey, we got to go throw strikes. They do too. That's a big part of it. They have to throw strikes too. And so it's not as simple as – it's not just up to us, right? All right, so here's your strikeout-to-walk ratio. Tennessee is the best. They strike out a bunch of them walk many. Just over three. You know, we talk about on the show, three-to-one ratio, and it's a little different nowadays because the game has changed some. But if you're getting three-to-one, you're doing great. Well, Tennessee is basically the only one getting three-to-one. Vanderbilt just under that at 2.93-to-one. Then there's South Carolina. Alabama's at two-and-a-half. LSU, 2.28. There's Arkansas. Ole Miss just under two. Florida just under two. And, of course, Florida's an elite pitching staff. The bullpen's been a little bit of an adventure. A&M, 1.6. Missouri, 1.56. And then there's your Bulldogs, 1.54. So we're getting one and a half strikeouts in relation for every walk. Then there's Kentucky. And then there's Auburn. Auburn, 1.16. So they're basically walking as many as they strike out. I thought that was, number one, thanks to Aria for putting that together. But also, two, I think that's interesting considering how evenly matched Mississippi State and Auburn are and that we kind of suffer from the same affliction. So whoever goes out there and pounds his own is probably going to win this game. And I think offensively, State is better. So I, I'm going to tell you, yes, I expect State to win the series. I don't think it's a sweep. I, I would love for it to be a sweep, as you would. It would really change the complexion of a lot of things. Give us a little more margin for error. But when you've got two teams, usually if there are two teams are evenly situated, you take the home team. But when you look at what State's done offensively compared to Auburn, in conference play, the edge goes to the Bulldogs, not to mention states playing with a lot more momentum here as of late. All right, let's look. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look at the season that Auburn's had. They open up the year with a big, big, big series win over Indiana, two games to one. And then the Sunday game, they got absolutely shelled, 11-2. Uh, the midweek win over North Alabama. They host USC at Plainson Park. They win the first two games, and they tie the last one. And they give up a dozen runs in that one. So, again, Sunday pitching, you know, that's the thing. Butch and them just haven't been able to stretch it to Sunday, and Sunday turns into a church league softball game. They get Florida A&M in seven on March 1st. They sweep Lipscomb. Uh, good Sunday pitching that day, but on Saturday they win an absolute wild affair, 12-11. They get UAB in the midweek and then Jacksonville State. They then lose two out of three to southeastern Louisiana. They win 7-1. They lose 8-3, lose 8-7. And again, there you go. Sunday pitching again, or game three pitching, because this was a doubleheader. Leaves a lot to be desired. They uh, get Georgia Tech in a midweek game, and then they get swept by Arkansas. Arkansas, not an elite offensive team this year. They're very scrappy. They always will be with Dave Van Horn. And are you look at Arkansas, still a top-five team. I'm not in any way talking trash about Arkansas, but they're not as offensive as they have been. And it's kind of amazing to see where Arkansas is, to be quite honest with you, considering the injuries they've had on the pitching staff. And the fact they lost so much offensively last year. I mean, just losing Robert Moore, for one. Well, I mean, what a, what a spark plug he was. Arkansas is just kind of methodically going through this and leading the SEC West and not really doing anything great except for playing baseball, right? But they sweep Auburn in Fayetteville. 
and they get on game three, five nothing. So not not a huge offensive weekend, but uh, the Auburn Tigers score five runs in three games against Arkansas. They bounce back and get South Alabama and nearly lost that game. That was down in Montgomery. That's a 6-5 win. They then win their long SEC series of the year, one swing away from losing that one. That's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday deal. They win 7-6 and 11 on Thursday. They win Friday 6-3, and then we get to game three again. Georgia wins 24-7. Again, having trouble covering 27 innings. And in this situation, 29. They get North Alabama again 14-1. We probably need to cancel that game. They go to Florida, and they absolutely shell Friday night pitching to Florida. They went 10 to 1. Then they get they get the favor returned to them in spades on Saturday, 12-5. And again, game three. Florida wins 17 to 8. Woof. We've been there. Then on Tuesday, they lose to UAB in Birmingham at Regents Field. I wish we'd have played there. They then go on the they host AM, excuse me. They lose the Friday game, 9-5. They bounce back to win. That's a Thursday game. Pardon me. They win game two, 10-9, and then again game three. What do you think happened? Uh, another blowout loss, 12-6. They didn't lose in Atlanta to Georgia Tech in 10. And last weekend, of course, they take on Alabama and Tuscaloosa. They win game one, 8-4, and then lose the next two, 4-2, uh, 6-1. And again, offensively, just not scoring a lot of runs, at least not in SEC play. They did 10-run rule Sanford on Tuesday, 13-3. So, again, you start thinking, hey, your game – if if we can get a split Friday, Saturday, you know, Sunday almost seems like a given, right? I mean, you hate to look at it that way, but the reality is, is they just do not have depth on the pitching mound, nor do we. And that's one of the reasons you look at this and you begin to think, we're not going to have a lot of opportunities like this the rest of the year. We got to go take advantage of Auburn. And, uh, you know, Butch is going to have a great game plan. That's what he does. You know, Butch, you know, one of the prides of Mississippi, one, a great friend of Mississippi State. We love Butch. We're happy for Butch. Happy to see what he's done there. And I think now that John Cohen's there, he'll probably get you know, better funding for baseball. That's one of the things, too, I learned when I was down there, I guess, uh, in 19 or 21, is uh, they had built some shed out there behind the uh, outfield wall. I mean, it's a shed. Like to park the gator and put, like, their, their yard tools and things like that. I mean, stuff you don't want to get wet. It's stuff that you don't want walking off. And uh, Butch had to go raise his own money for it. I mean, come on, Auburn. You know, that won't be the case now that John's there, right? I mean, you know, now that John Cohen's there, if they need something, he'll make sure they get it or he'll go help raise the money for it. But Butch had to go raise his own money for it. That's what I was told. I mean, I didn't have all the details correct, but the fact that we can't even pay for a shed, I mean, give me a break, man. Either you're committed to baseball or you're not. Uh, I do love Plains and Park, even though it, is, it looks a bit unfinished to me. You know, when they first built it, you know, it was kind of the big retro thing, kind of like in the Camden, vein of Camden Yards. Uh, super cool. I mean, it really is. And I love the configuration of the outfield. It makes it different. That's one of the things I don't like about Alabama. And I really don't like the LSU for kind of the same reasons, even though LSU is basically a glorified softball stadium. Um, you know, Alabama just basically has the uh, semicircle outfield. You, know, you just have that crescent out there. You know, at Auburn, you've got a different configuration out there. And so it gives you a home full advantage because you've got to know how to play the, the park. It's just different. It just is. I like it. I do. I like going over there and playing. And uh, Auburn people are a lot like us. You know, I know there's still all this angst about the Cam Newton stuff, but uh, 
You know, Cam Newton's not even playing football now anymore, unless he signed with somebody recently. But the reality of it is, is, uh, you know, Auburn and Mississippi State, very similar. It's one of my favorite trips in the SEC. And so I look forward to getting over there. I'm getting up in the morning and go. Yes, you start thinking about that. You know, in 12 hours, I'll be nearly there. So, um, again, Auburn has some dudes, but they don't have the dudes they had last year. They don't. You know, Bulldogs have won two series in a row uh, from Auburn, including last year. They had Sunday to share last year. And you think, we beat Auburn? Yeah, we did. We did beat Auburn last year. And we beat them in 21. You remember we went over there in 21 and they hit Rowdy like five times in a game? And people want to say, what's well, an accident? What an accident. Come on. Come on. All right, let's look inside the numbers here. See who's doing what for the Tigers. All right, let's start here with Ike Irish. He's kind of the straw that stirs the drink. Hitting 384. Started all 37 games for the Tigers. 17 doubles. That's, that's a big number right there. That, that's really a big number. Uh, three dingers, 35 ribby, uh, 17 walks. Got struck out 31 times. Hit by pitch three times. He, he does have the propensity to ground in the double play. So you can get under the barrel a little bit. But if you're hitting nearly 400 at this point in the year, you're a dude. And so Ike, obviously doing a good job for them. Doesn't run the bases exceptionally well. Got a couple of stolen bases. Uh, Bryson Ware, it seems like Bryson's been there for a while too. Bryce hitting 359. A senior from Madison, Mississippi. Product of Germantown High School. Having a good year. 359, 51 hits on the year. 15 bombs, which leads a team. 45 ribbies. Uh, he, he does have a little bit of strikeout, but not what you'd expect for a guy that's got, that's got a ton of home runs. Says a lot about him because a lot of those people, are fr- the, the free swingers, the guys that are always like dropping their shoulder swinging for the fence, there's usually a lot of swing and miss in their game. Not as much for Bryson. He's a senior. He's a guy that's been around this league for a while. Uh, four or six in stolen bases. Cole Foster, another guy that's been there a while, three, hitting 338. Uh, five bombs for him, 27 ribbies. Three of five in stolen bases. Chris Stanfield hitting 320. He is the last of the 300 hitters among the regulars. Uh, four doubles for him, but he also has a couple triples. Not a ton of extra base hits. A uh, couple of uh, home runs, too. But 24 hits on the year, and he's, he's only played 20 games. He's played in 29, started 20 games. So, don't know how much we'll see him, but Casey Howell, that's another guy, too. Casey Howell, if you remember, uh, he is the guy that uh, threw us out. At home plate last year. Remember that? Great play. It was him. Inserted into the game late and comes up and makes a big play. Hitting 266 this year, three tanks, 19 ribbies, three of three in stolen bases. And that's a, they don't run a lot, but they are pretty effective. Uh, Justin Kirby leads a team six for six in stolen bases. They kind of just kind of run as necessary. They're not a team that's going to go out there and just drive you crazy. But, um, and we're getting better when it comes to run defense, as you guys know. And so maybe we can kind of keep them at bay there. Uh, Caden Green hitting 258, 29 starts on the year for him, uh, 24 hits. Nate LaRue, he's a guy that's kind of a part-time starter for him too, not really hitting the ball that well, but uh, pretty good catcher for them. Seems like he's been there forever and a day. Pretty good backstop out there. You know, what, what he's not contributing on offense, he's contributing on defense. But uh, you get into SEC play, things are a little bit different. I guess you could say. Uh, but among the regulars, you know, Bryson Ware still there too. But don't, the only player hitting about 300 is Cooper McMurray, who's only started nine games. And so they're kind of getting fat on non-conference competition, which makes you wonder too about 
we talk about the offensive struggles. And when you're facing SEC pitching, all of a sudden the numbers go down dramatically. We talked about Ike Irish. In SEC play, he's hitting just 241. Bryson Ware still got a few bombs, six, six bombs in SEC play. But the numbers, very different. They, they're gonna, there's always going to be an appreciable difference between non-conference and SEC play. But it's, it's fairly dramatic with Auburn. The fact that you only got one guy heading over 300. Um, you know, Bryson Ware right there at it. But uh, you got some other guys, too, well below 250 uh, that you're expecting to go out there and, and get on base for you. So that, it's going to get the challenge for Mississippi State is simply go out there and pound the strike zone and make them put the ball in play. Let's still take a look at Auburn pitching. Uh, we'll start with overall numbers here. Uh, Tommy Vale, eight starts on the year, three and one record. Uh, 37 in the third innings pitch, allowed 21 hits. That's a great job right there. I mean, that is a great job right there. Uh, 19 uh, runs this year, 18 of them earned. Base just under two to one strikeout to walk ratio. He will walk you. Uh, leads the team with 25 free passes. Also has 41 punch outs. But a lot of that's a product of the fact that he's, he's just worked a lot more innings than everybody else. Not a lot of extra base hits with him. I mean, he's given up 21 hits. Seven of them are extra base hits. That's 14 singles, but it's only four doubles and three dingers. Opponents are hitting just a buck 64 against him. And that's overall. Uh, Joseph Gonzalez is a guy that um, pitched a little bit this year. Five innings. Uh, just really only had the one appearance. I, I begin to wonder if he's not injured. I, I haven't really done a lot of due diligence into the injury report here, but he was a guy, you know, they were really expecting some big things for and he threw in the opening weekend, and I can only assume that he's injured at this point because he hadn't pitched since. Uh, Will Cannon's a guy we may see, 13 appearances, two starts on the year. Uh, probably may see him in relief. Uh, he has pitched a little bit on SEC weekends, mainly in relief. You know, pitched against Arkansas, Georgia, Florida, A&M, and Alabama. So, it's a good chance we see him at some point. Uh, Zach Crotchfelt, that's correct. Uh, 11 appearances this year, five starts. Good chance we see him, too. He is a uh, freshman from Jackson, New Jersey. Jackson, New Jersey. And uh, pitched some in relief against A&M and against Alabama. A little bit against uh, Arkansas, Georgia, and Florida. So, good chance we, uh, we see him. But uh, you know, this is a staff, too. You know, you know how it is with Butch, man. You just kind of piece this thing together. I mean, Vale's got the most starts on the team, and some of it's been injuries, but a lot of it's been ineffectiveness. So you move guys around. I mean, outside of uh, Tommy Vale, Crotchfeld's the only guy that's got more than, than uh, four starts on the year. So it'll be interesting. As a staff, of course, ERA is 641 overall. We're, we're familiar with that. They got 10 saves on the year, but it's kind of spread around. Will Cannon's got the most with three, but there are a couple other guys. Um, three other guys have uh, saves apiece. Again, that's just butch. You know, you do kind of do it by committee. Yeah, but as a staff, you look at the hits, you know, 362 hits in 323 innings. So it's basically a hit per inning. And then you look at the walks, 194. And so there's a lot of traffic on the bases. When you play Auburn, you got to get the timely hit. Opponents are hitting 284 against this staff as a whole. And 327 Ks to 194 walks. I mean, so we're basically, we talked about that before. You know, you're getting, you know, basically, you know, three Ks for every two punch outs. 
Yeah, or two walks, excuse me. So not great. Looking at conference play, though. And again, we played uh, you know, 15 conference games. You start looking for starts here. Tommy Vale has started every weekend. He is the only guy that has started every weekend. Will Cannon's got a couple starts. Uh, one in a record for him, 2.35 ERA in conference play. But as a staff, they're giving up well over a hit per inning. That's not going to get it done. And then nearly a walk per inning. So, again, a lot of traffic on the bases for them, which, you know, gives you a chance to hit against pitchers in the stretch. That's a huge part of this. So, I'm eager to see how they piece it together this weekend. But we think sometimes, you know, we're only acutely aware of the things that happen in the big maroon bubble, right? And then you all of a sudden you get ready to go play a team. You're like, hey, you know, they're a lot like us. I think the difference between Mississippi State and Auburn is the fact that State's just better offensively. And it may not be tremendously better, but we are better offensively uh, than this team. Their ERA in conference play is 8.09. But trust me, we're not any better. You know, a lot of it's because of those lopsided win, win, uh, losses at the beginning of the year. I mean, our, we're 9.58. You know, and it's incredible to think about that. But then you look at here in recent weeks and you see we're pitching a lot better. A lot better. And I think that's a, a big part of this, too, is uh, you start thinking about, too, Colby Holcomb going to start this weekend on game two. So what does that mean for Landon Garbman? I'm told that Landon is uh, not expected to pitch this weekend. It's not expected to be serious or anything long-term. And that's one of the things that I will give Lamontis and Fox all a lot of credit for, and you also hear it from the baseball parents. The first sign of trouble, we shut them down. We do. The first, the first time there's a guy that's got a little tenderness or something he didn't feel right, we shut him down. And we turn him over to the medical staff. And so I'm just told Landon is not expected to be out long. Don't expect him to pitch this weekend, which allows Holcomb to slide into the Saturday spot, which makes you wonder what happens, you know, who comes in after Cade. You know, you probably would like to extend Cade a little bit longer this week. I mean, obviously he's building his stamina back up, but he was really good last weekend. But you start thinking about that, you know, how do you manage it? Well, I think what you I think when you think about the fact that Sunday pitching for Auburn has been such an adventure. You get Cade Smith out of there with a lead, you bring in Nate. And you get that dub, right? And then you get into uh, Saturday, and hopefully Holcomb can give you six, maybe seven. Then you turn it over to, you know, maybe KC or, or Nixon, and, and you get the dub. That's how you manage it if you're me. You know, and listen, I get it. I mean, you can't keep going out there and throwing the same half dozen guys and expect to win every weekend. We got to do what we got to do. But uh, Colby has certainly been much better in SEC play as of late. Uh, you look at what he's done just in the last couple ball games. I mean, my goodness. Uh, he goes three innings against Ole Miss, allows one run. He goes three against Alabama, gives up a couple. South Carolina, he goes four. Vanderbilt, he goes three and a third. But this is a former starter. This is not a guy that has been, uh, you know, closing or long relief his whole life. But if he can go out there and get you five or six, and maybe that gets you to KC, or perhaps it gets you to, to Brock Tapper, or maybe it gets you to Evan Sierra, you can kind of figure it out. But, you know, as soon as we get Kate out of the ballgame, if we have a lead, I'm going to Nate. I'm bringing Nate in with a lead, and I'm going to feel good about that. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. We've got some arms that are unavailable. You know, some guys, and a lot of it's just general soreness. It's not, you know, a lot of things you need to worry about. But the reality of it is, is, this time of year, that's just kind of prevalent within the conference. Uh, hitting numbers for us, you know, we talk about as a team, you know, 
we're heading 269 as a team in conference. And uh, looking back at Auburn's numbers, they're heading 237. They've got 19 home runs in conference. Your Bulldogs have 28. We got 77 runs driven in. They got 74. They're just doing it a little bit different way. But the reality of it is, is we ought to be able to go over there and hit them. And so I pick us to win the series uh, two games to one. Would love to get a sweep. I just don't expect it. But I feel like if you get a split on Friday, Saturday, that, you know, State will win on Sunday. I mean, it's just, that's just kind of how it's been for Auburn. Game three for Auburn has been an absolute adventure the entire year but especially once we've gotten into conference play. And real quick, let's take a quick look back at that. You know, like you, you, the first loss of the year, game three against Indiana. You tie USC, game three. You squeak by Lipscomb, game three. You lose Southeastern. So what do you, you want, what, one, two, and one now in game threes? Then you get swept. You lose to Arkansas. It's another loss. You lose to Georgia, game three. Lose to Florida, game three. Lose to A&M in game three. Lose to Alabama in game three. You see, you see what I'm saying here? So we should win game three. That's why I think it makes it so important to be, to be very judicious in how you use Nate. You get Nate to secure that Friday win for you. It sets the weekend up really well for you. And I think Cade's a guy that that's, uh, is rounded back in the form. I think we can kind of feel good about the direction of things with Cade Smith. But, yeah, like everybody else, I worry. I worry about – arms this time of year and everybody should that's one of the reasons you know we're going to the 10-run rule things we're not eating up as many innings and guys aren't having to stress as much and having to extend guys as long uh, but the reality of it is as long as guys are throwing baseballs hard overhand there's always going to be the risk of injury all right time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by close with blair.com that's c-l-o-s-e with blair b-l-a-i-r.com blair is a mortgage professional If you need to get anything done when it comes to your mortgage, whether it be a second mortgage, a HELOC, refinancing, getting a mortgage, maybe you're moving, maybe you're not exactly sure who to work with, Blair is your guy. Blair is my friend, been my friend a long time, owns a place here in Starkville, multiple season ticket holder, Mississippi State, he's a bulldog through and through. Reach out to him at closewithblair.com, that's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R, or call him direct at 601-500-2344. Call, text, carrier pigeon, whatever. Get a hold of him. And mention to him you heard about the boneyard on your uh, heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. And again, that's closeofblair.com. 21 years, 22 years of experience and back to back to back years of top 1% close ratio in the country. I mean, you can't do better than the best. Number 1. That's Blair. All right, so in recent days, we have discovered that Motley Crue, one of America's greatest rock bands, is in the studio recording new material. Bob Rock, legendary producer, is with them. McMars is not. John Five is. Now, there's a lot of rumors that DJ Ashba played some guitar on the uh, Saints of Los Angeles album back in 2008. I think there's probably some truth to that based on what some uh, friends in the industry tell me, but you know how it is. You talk to enough people, you can hear whatever you want. It's going to be very weird for me that McMars is not involved in this project. I hate what's happened. I hate the lawsuits. 
Uh, and I think what's going to boil down to is what um, what were Tommy and Vince paid when they were out of the band. That's the precedent that they'll have to be set for Mick. And, uh, you know, it's, what's interesting, too, is like I read the, the article. You know, the package they offered Mick basically to sit home was going to make $9 million while they were out touring, doing the stadium tour. And he was going to make $9 million. Now, granted, for me and you, that's a lot of money. I guess when you think I'm getting paid nine and I feel like that I'm entitled to 25 or 30, maybe you feel differently. But I hate the fact this has played out in the media the way that it has. Part of me wonders if it's not a publicity stunt uh, to get some sales for Mick Mars' solo album that is yet to be released. Hopefully it will be. Uh, John Karabi actually sang a couple songs on that album. John and I had a chance to visit a while back, and that's one thing he shared with me. He said he didn't have no idea what's happening with Mick's solo album, but he thinks they had kind of shelved it while Motley was doing the dirt and then the uh, stadium tour and all that stuff. But now that Mick's no longer officially with the band, you know, perhaps that album will see the light of day. And so since we're doing new Motley music, I had some discussions recently with some people like, hey, how do you, what do you think about this? I said, I think it's great. Why would I be upset about this? One of, the, one of the bands of my youth, one of my favorite bands of all time, is writing new material. Why would I not be excited about that? It's like, well, you know, Vance has lost a little bit. Yes, yes, he has. Yes. These guys are in their 60s, man. What do you expect? But the fact that we're getting new material from legendary rock bands, we should be grateful. And here's a tip for you, too. If you don't want to listen to it, don't buy it. You're like, oh, well, Motley's over the hill. Don't go to the show. And quit judging people that do. I mean, you can go listen to the Pet Shop Boys. Nobody's going to think he less of you. Right? I'm like, I'm in these Facebook groups or these 80s hair band groups. There's always somebody like, oh, they're making fun of the bands. Dude, get a life. It's like, oh, well, so-and-so's put on some weight. Yeah, yeah, so have you. Haven't we all? My goodness. But anyway, so at this conversation, like, hey, Molly's put out new music. And I'm like, well, yeah, they're not alone. Like, huh? I was like, yeah, most of the bands that we grew up with have reunited those that are still living in some capacity and uh, they're out touring and they're releasing new material. You know, Warren's coming through here. My buddies and Lillian Axe are opening up for those guys uh, uh, May 18th down in New Orleans. Yeah. How about that? And uh, Firehouse is going to be in Philadelphia later this summer. I'm planning to go to that. No new material from Firehouse in a while. And uh, hopefully there will be. But uh, a lot of these bands have released a new album. So like in the last year, I could probably name 20 bands from back in the day that got new albums. And uh, a couple that didn't make our list, you know, uh, know, Motley's got new material. We don't even know yet what the new singles are going to be, if it's going to be a full-length album or it's going to be an EP, whatever. Don't know. We just know the recording. Uh, Def Leppard has an album that will be out soon. It's called uh, Drastic Symphonies. It's going to be many of their hits with them playing along with an, an orchestra, uh, much like Alter Bridge did, and of course like Metallica did with S&M. So that, that'll be interesting. And uh, Def Leppard had a new album out last year. Had a big hit with a song called Kick. And then recently Mike Tramp, the, the uh, lead singer from White Lion, recently released an album within the last couple of weeks, The Songs of White Lion. He went back and re-recorded a lot of their hits. Kind of modernized the mix a little bit. So that's new, too. So if you like White Lion, find Mike Tramp. And uh, the album is called The Songs of White Lion. Vito Brada didn't want to do it anymore. That's one of the reasons that Mike's out there kind of on his own. All right, but here you go. The top 10, what's old is new. 
Top 10 list. What's old is new. Old bands writing new material. All right, uh, my buddy Ace Van Johnson and the guys in L.A. Guns released a great album last year called Checkered Past, and I loved it. I think it's the best thing they've done since Cocked and Loaded. Got a new album out now. came out earlier this year. <clears throat> my favorite track on this new album is a, is a song called Low Life. So L.A. Guns, Low Life, number 10 on the What's Old is New list. Now, late last year, the Bullet Boys, and I'll tell you a quick story about the Bullet Boys. Uh, I ordered a Bullet Boys shirt um, I don't know, two years ago, I got a personal email from Mark Torian, the, the lead singer from, from Bull Boys. Hey, Steve, thanks so much for buying the merch. He didn't know me. Now, we have some mutual friends. And like I told Chad from Faster Pussycat, I said, I got an email from this guy, Clanity Mark Torian. Because that's probably Mark. Yeah, that's how Mark is. Man, Mark loves the fans and people to support him. Uh, so Bullet Boys, great. You know, many of us got to see uh, Bull Boys. Uh, Maybe 90, 90, is that when it was? Kicks, or yeah, Kicks, Winger, and the Bullet Boys, is that right? Anyway, nevertheless, Bullet Boys, I'm still a fan. They have released some of the material. The original lineup reunited, and it didn't last for very long. They did release an album, and it's got a, a uh, curse word in the title, so I'm not going to use the full title. But the newest track from the Bullet Boys, again, dropped late last year, is called Holy F., you could do your own research there. Number eight, two singles have been released from the upcoming album from uh, Stewart from Beavis and Butthead's favorite band, Winger. And I like Winger, too. Uh, Reb Beach, the guitar player from Winger, is an absolute dude. Of course, he also uh, plays Whitesnake. And I think that's another thing that people don't fully appreciate is a lot of these guys now having to play in multiple bands to make a living. Uh, so Winger, new album coming out. A couple singles, again, already released. Uh, let me give you, the, I think the title is six. I think that's right. Let me double check that. No, it's seven. Excuse me. Album seven from Winger. And uh, a couple singles that are out. And the one that I like of the two is a track called Proud Desperado. Not in any way connected to the song Down Incognito. But uh, Proud Desperado, number eight on your list from Winger. And Kip sounds great. He does. You saw Kip a few years ago. He didn't sound so good. Uh, playing in some dive bar, you know, it's like just some, some couple dudes, you know. But they've got new management and got new material for you to enjoy. All right, number seven, my friends. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention them. And uh, Steve Blaze, my buddy, Lillian Axe, are actually in the middle of now of uh, getting ready for the next album. You know, last year we had them come play in Starkville. It's an amazing night. Their album From Wound to Tomb dropped. And as soon as it dropped, Steve already had some of the material he's working for. Uh, so a new album is expected. They have signed a new with a new management group, have a new record label. Uh, things are really happening for Lilligan. You know, they're opening for Warrant. Uh, going to do some dates with some other bands. And I think they're going to be on the cruise this year. Uh, but one of the things, too, their most recent single is a song called Feelings of Absinthe. They played that live for the very first time at Rock Vegas. How cool is that, right? debuted a single live for the very first time at our show here in Starkville. I'll always remember that. That's a trivia question, right? But the track we're going to go with is my favorite song on From Wound to Tomb. It's a track called The Golden Dragon. And again, this is a much different Lillian Axe than it was years ago, right? The music has changed. It's more of a concept album. And basically, this, the album takes you from your birth to like your ascension into heaven uh, at the end of your life. And that's so from, of course, Wound to Tomb. But uh, Golden Dragon, I think Steve overdid himself on this guitar riff. 
All right, number six, it's amazing to me. Like, we got ready to talk about Rock Vegas 24, and I haven't even committed to doing it yet. You know, we've had a change in leadership. I got to sit down with Zach Selman soon and kind of figure all this stuff out. But uh, a band that people are saying, hey, you could book these guys, and they would sell it whatever you did. And I'm like, there's no way. And then you go look at all these videos online, and they're playing the packed houses everywhere. It's Striper. Yeah, not saying we're going to book them. But Striper, they have a brand new album out too. And uh, just like in the last two weeks, George Lynch and Michael Sweet from Striper released a new project too. Uh, it's pretty cool too. You can check that out. But uh, my favorite track off the latest Striper album is called The Last Battle. The, the track is Same Old Story. Really like this one a lot. All right, number five. No new album, but a relatively new single from these guys. A legendary band from Germany. Uh, they came over with Love at First Sting and Rock It's Like a Hurricane. It's the Scorpions. I saw them with Laidlaw and Motley Crue on the Mississippi Gulf Coast several years ago. Scorpions absolutely blew me away. And as much as I love Motley Crue, right? And listen, Vince was singing every other word. Okay, and I'm not going to hate on Vince. I love Vince. I get it. I'd never seen the Scorps before. Klaus Mina absolutely destroyed it. Matthias Jobs, incredible. Rudy Schenker, incredible. The Scorpions, or a band's band. These guys are pros, man. Uh, but the newest track is called Hammersmith. And uh, very guitar-oriented, kind of in your face. I think you'll dig it. I certainly do. Number four, this was released maybe middle of last year. And uh, they played a sold-out show in Philadelphia over at the casino here a few months back. And people were like, Steve, are you coming? I couldn't. It's stuff going on. Uh, life happens. You know, it's like I get to do a lot of cool stuff. But, you know, when Mississippi State is playing... I just about always have to be there. And so uh, that's what we do, right? I mean, you're not, you're not just tuning in here to hear the sound of my voice. You're here for Mississippi State stuff and cool tunes. But uh, number four is one of my favorite bands of all time. It's Tesla. They kind of got unfairly lumped into the hair metal catalog, and they're, they're not. It's a straight-ahead rock and roll band. They were never hair metal, ever. And uh, I think in many respects, I, I, like, I don't like the term hair metal, uh, even though a lot of people had big hair back then. There were some good bands that were kind of unfairly maligned because of that labeling, and people wouldn't work with them again. Uh, but Tesla has kind of stood the test of time. A track called Time to Rock. And if you go back and listen to their latest album, there, there's so many good tracks on that one too. All right, number three, one of my favorites. One of the rock stars I've never met that I'd love to meet. Seen him in, in uh, show at show many, many times. Uh, it's Whitesnake. Uh, Dave and I have interacted with some on Twitter. I haven't been able to pull off the... Uh, the meet and greet yet, but Whitesnake's Can You Hear the Wind Blow? That's your number three track today, and it's it's vintage Whitesnake. It sounds, if you like the 87 album, if you like Sip of the Tongue, if you like uh, Slide It In, this is a, in the same vein. And of course, David doesn't have the big pipes he had back then, but he still sounds really good. Dave's a, a blues singer, and Dave's been doing it doing this forever, man. I mean, people forget, man, he was in Deep Purple. Whitesnake, number three. Number two, and this album is just about to drop. Kind of came out of nowhere for me. And I'll be honest with you, I heard the song for the first time. And I was like, holy smokes, who is this? It's Extreme. Yeah, that's right. Extreme. You didn't know they were back together, did you? We thought Nuno Bentoncourt was never going to work with Gary Sharon again. Wrong. Extreme is back. Brand new album coming out. A track called Rise. It'll definitely get your blood pumping there, too. A couple singles already released. You can go ahead and pre-download the album. I think you're going to dig it. Uh, Nuno Bencourt, one of the great guitar players of our generation. They just haven't released any new, new material for a long time. 
But number one for me, and we've had this song on a list before, uh, had a chance to go see them last month, just couldn't pull it together. They're touring with Buck Cherry right now. And uh, my wife was on. We just had so much going on. I just couldn't go get it done. Just wasn't able to go get it taken care of. But uh, it's Skid Row. The new album, The Gang's All Here, is amazing. It is the best album since Slave to the Grind, and that includes Subhuman Race. And Sebastian Bach sang on Subhuman Race. I think the guys just simply ran out of songs. Subhuman Race, I love Into Another. It's amazing. Uh, Breaking Down is amazing. But there's a lot of filler on that Subhuman Race album, and you can kind of tell that the band was running out of ideas. And so then all of a sudden you get Johnny Solinger, who died recently of cancer, and you hate that for him. But uh, it, things just never came together. And people say, oh, it's not Skid Row without Sebastian Bach. You know, they're never going to reunite. They've already established that. Both, got, both sides are like, we're not going to do it. Uh, you know, Scotty, Rachel, those guys still together. Uh, an incredible new singer now, formerly of Heat. But uh, it's Hell or High Water. That's my favorite song. I know the title track, The Gang's All Here, was the first single. And the November song is better to me. It's the shining moment on this album. And you know, a lot of people have shared with me, hey, Steve, thanks for sharing the Skid Row stuff. I love it. I got some friends back home that didn't know Skid Row was still recording. And I shared the album with them. They're like, holy smokes. So this is more in line with what you're used to from Skid Row. If you like the Slave to the Grind album, you'll like this one. Now, it's not comparable, Right. Uh, Slave to the Grind, people forget this. Slave to the Grind shipped platinum. It debuted at number one, the first metal album that ever, that ever happened with. Yeah, you didn't know. So it's a legendary album in many respects. So I'm not going to sit here and say in any way this album is comparable to that when it comes to impact or even quality. But it is the best album since then. I think you'll dig it. But again, Hell or High Water. I absolutely love it. It's one of those fist in your face songs. I think you'll dig it. So there you go. Top 10. What's old is new. Top 10. And uh, go download some of this stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. I mean, I mean what are you going to do? Right around listening to all this other stuff? All this, all this homogenized stuff? Right? Come on. Come on. Get your fist in the air. Come on. Let's get it done. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. You can find Roy on uh, Twitter at Dogmatic67. And all of our great lists are on Spotify also at Dogmatic67. That's D A W G. M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And I'm on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. We get a lot of requests, and it's like we'll go sometimes we'll go a week and we'll get anything. Like the next week, we get like 12. Uh, got some we're kind of sorting through and kind of figuring out. And, and sometimes too, Roy does the Lord's work. Roy keeps all this stuff together. And uh he's like, hey, we've already done this, we've never done this. Roy basically is the uh, the straw that stirs the drink. I mean, I picked the songs. But Roy does all the administrative stuff. I'm very grateful for Roy. He is a great friend to me and a friend to all of you. It was his idea. He contacted me and said, hey, I love the top 10 list. What if we put them on Spotify? And I was like, I don't know how to do that, so I don't want to do it. He goes, no, 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 I'll do it myself. It's a big deal. And, dude, he does this three times a week for me because he loves the show and he loves music and he wants to make sure that we share this with all of you. And he gets nothing in return except when he comes to Starler once in a while, we get a chance to break bread together. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. The guy is just a friend of the Boneyard, a friend of me, and a friend to all of you. I'm very grateful for Roy. And if you love Roy and you love his contributions, you're going to follow on Twitter. He won't he won't inundate your timeline with, like, pictures of his food or, like, cat videos and things like that. I mean, he's not going to do that. So, But anyway, thanks, as always, Roy, for what you do to make the Boneyard family a better part of our lives.
All right, next segment of the show is always brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. I love Campus Bookmart. You should, too. You probably already know about their fine selection of Mississippi State merchandise. Very easy to find on the backside of campus on your way to the ball game. Make sure you swing by and pick up some new Mississippi State merch. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Bondyard listener, you get a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 absolutely incomplete. A lot of baseball jerseys to choose from there, too. I think we have them all, maybe with one exception. But uh, be sure and uh, check that out today, campusbookmart.net. All right, let's take a look around the Southeastern Conference. A pretty interesting night in the league uh, tonight. Watched uh, Arkansas and Georgia in its entirety. You know, just trying to look up on Arkansas. And again, Arkansas is not great. They're good. They're tough. They're not great, though. It's like I think, start thinking, hey, we, we ought to be able to get a game from them. Maybe we get two. You know, we'll see. Georgia wins game one tonight, and uh, it all got started pretty early. I don't know if you watched this game. Perhaps you did. Arkansas gets out to a 2 nothing lead, and you think, all right, here, here they go. The Razorbacks are going to just run through Georgia. You know, it was a big uh, series win when Georgia beat Kentucky. Bit of a surprise there. But you thought, hey, this is going to be the same old Georgia. Arkansas puts up two, and then Georgia answers with five in the third. That was nearly all they lead needed. They added a run in the fourth to push ahead 6-2, and then pitching-wise, when you have what Georgia has, and you've got Scott Strickland there, you would think a full-run lead is safe. Well, it was, but there was still some drama. Uh, Arkansas gets one in the sixth, and then they have a chance there in the eighth. Pretty crazy. You think it only happens to us. It doesn't. They bring in the left-handed reliever. He walks the first guy on four pitches. He hits the next guy, then gives up a single. Run scores. They bring in another reliever. He uh, hits a guy. Bases are loaded, and then strikes out the side, and Arkansas leaves them loaded. And really, that was their last best chance, but they did get the tying run on base in the ninth. Scored one. Diggs doubles, and uh, interesting, he had a chance to tag and take third on the second out and didn't do it, which I thought was rather interesting. But he didn't advance, and um, he's a great hitter, man, hitting 358. But the reality of it is, is this bull down to that big inning early in the ballgame? And then Georgia makes it stand up, and that Leighton Finley kid is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. The Caldwell kid comes in and doesn't get an out. And that's after Smith goes four and Wagner goes three. And so you get to the uh, eighth inning, you think we're cruising. The next thing you know, you're in trouble. But uh, Caldwell, 8.74 ERA on the year. But Finley, some big-time stuff there. They bring in the side armor. Uh, Raiden's late. He gets the save. Uh, nice, efficient work for him. Gets a, a, a pop-up, a fly-out and a pop-up. Uh, to finish out the ball game there. But uh, interesting game. Big win for Georgia. Their RPI is still very good. It's only going to improve now with the one over Arkansas. But uh, 
if you're Arkansas, you got to worry a little bit, right? I mean, you know, you're, you're out there fighting for a top eight national seed. You can ill afford to drop the series. South Carolina absolutely destroyed Florida pitching tonight. This is one your good friend and host blew early in the year. I told you I wasn't sold on South Carolina. Well, I am now. Those guys are playing some great baseball. One of the best teams in the country. So Florida gets out early, one nothing. South Carolina ties it. Immediately, Florida scores to go up 2-1. South Carolina answers, and from there, it was pretty much all Gamecocks. They take the lead in the fourth, 3-2. Florida ties it in the top of six, and then South Carolina answers with five runs. And then they walk it off with five more in the seventh. Florida bullpen, not good. Not good. Ethan Petrie may be your All-American freshman, maybe your national freshman of the year. Three for five on the night. Hit an absolute bomb early in that ballgame off Sprout. Three RBIs in the ballgame, just a one strikeout. He's hitting 431. Some huge numbers. And, and has already set the South Carolina freshman home run record out there. Uh, our buddy Cole Messina also had a couple of hits there, hitting 326. But Sprout takes a loss, five and two-thirds innings pitch, four hits, four runs, eight Ks, three walks, allows the one home run there. And Sanders goes six, and it was kind of a wild night, too. He was a little bit erratic, kind of effectively wild there. Ten Ks, three walks, gives up a couple of earned runs, and then Hicks comes in and, and finishes the thing up. It's not a safe situation there, but uh, huge early win. You know, Florida's ranked third in the country, South Carolina six. This is one of those things you look at. This is a huge series in the SEC East pecking order. Let's take a look at tomorrow's action. Obviously, uh, Georgia and South Carolina looking to take these series. I'd love to be in South Carolina's shoes. Those guys have a lot of pieces. All right, Vanderbilt opens up a series at Tennessee. Now, we will be in Knoxville next weekend. That is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series for us. But they will get underway tomorrow. Vanderbilt at Tennessee, and you know we discussed it at length on the show this week. Tennessee is really struggling. And the last thing a struggling team needs is a team like Vanderbilt that's got a bit of an axe to grind with Tennessee. Because, you know, Tennessee kind of supplanted Vanderbilt as the uh, SEC East team of choice. And Vanderbilt playing exceptionally well. Give Tim Corbin and the group a lot of credit. They've really bounced back this year. They're a force. They really are. And a big series win over South Carolina. Uh, Texas A&M is at Kentucky. I like Kentucky to take this series perhaps two games to one. And uh, I keep saying this, and uh, I feel like at times this has become a, a Nick Mingion Kentucky fan podcast. But when you look at what these guys have done with a 10-5 and record, four more wins, they're in the tournament. And you got four weekends to get it done. They should pick up at least two this weekend. And, uh, you know, A&M kind of right there quietly in the middle of things in the West, but, you know, not, nothing really loud with them. Of course, Mississippi State's at Auburn. I like us to take a series two games to one. Alabama's at Missouri. Missouri is a difficult team to figure out. They're just not winning a whole lot. Alabama, of course, big series win last weekend uh, over Auburn. I believe it's their first SEC series win of the year. I think that's right. But they'll be at Missouri, and uh, Missouri has been a little tougher at home. And that's to be expected. Everybody is. But uh, this time of year, you know, the winds out there in Missouri, the spring winds, typically push the ball out to right. And so does that play into the hands of the left-handed hitters at Alabama? I guess we'll see. But uh, it's been crazy 
you know, they, they sweep Tennessee to open SEC play, then get swept by South Carolina, swept by Kentucky. They take one in the middle against Vanderbilt, and really we're not in that game on, Sun, on Saturday. They uh, lose two out of three to A&M, but win on Sunday. Then they'll get Alabama uh, this weekend. So it'll be interesting. Alabama's an intriguing team, too. You know, we, we talk about they, they've always – they've made a habit of winning one on weekends. You, know, you go back to them losing that series against Columbia, the final non-conference season uh, of the non-conference schedule, and they lose two out of three to Florida, lose two out of three to Kentucky, lose two out of three to Arkansas, lose two out of three to us. They finally, again, yeah, they finally get a series win last weekend against Auburn. And really those games between those two teams were competitive until, except for the Sunday game. And Alabama wins that 6-1. to one. Auburn just couldn't mount any offense. Uh, but I like Alabama in this series. I just don't think Missouri has what it takes. Well, big series, too, LSU at Ole Miss. It's big for LSU because LSU, like a lot of us, is a little thin on the pitching side. Now, if Paul Skeens, you feel like he'll go out there and, and uh, put a good ball game together for you. But said some things this week in the media that I wouldn't have said. He said, I, didn't, I don't think Ole Miss will be throwing a lot of beer this weekend. I, I just, you know, here's the thing, too. I think Ole Miss has some talent. I don't know, you know, the bottom half of that order is going to be able to be competitive against LSU, but how many times last year did we think that Ole Miss was going to go to LSU and get spanked, and they came back and and they won the series? You know, and it's like Bianco is going to have these kids ready to play. And so I, don't, I just don't know if you go poke the bear, and, and I don't mean that, no pun intended there. I think if you're LSU, if you're number one, you act like you're number one. You just go show up there and you handle your business. And you don't let reporters kind of goad you in any bulletin board material. But when you look at Ole Miss and you start thinking, hey, this could be another losing weekend, and I fully expect that to be the case, I don't think LSU sweeps them. I think Ole Miss will take a game from them, which I think is a bad thing for LSU when you're considering you're, you're chasing Arkansas and you're, you know, you're two games behind them in the win column. You know, where do you start making that ground up? Those are things you begin to ask yourself. You know, of course, uh, LSU you know, doesn't have maybe the depth pitching-wise they expected to have due to some injuries this year. But uh, I like them to take two this weekend, which would make Ole Miss 4-14 four and 14 with 12 SEC games to play. And you start thinking, you know, mathematically it just doesn't work. I mean, there's just not really a path there. And even though the month of May is much easier, you know, for Ole Miss to, to have 14 losses, it's almost impossible. We talked about before, you know, hey, teams with 12 have gotten in with a high RPI. I mean, do you think Ole Miss can sweep these remaining series? I mean, you get Georgia coming in. You know Georgia can pitch it. They got a few dudes with some juice. Then you got to go to Missouri. You go to Auburn. You go to Alabama, and you start thinking, okay, well, we can at least get a game. Well, the game's not going to get you anywhere. Even if you get two, you know, I think let's just say for an example, they're four and 14, you know, with four series left to play. You start doing the math on all that, you know, that's going to give you uh, 18 losses. So 12 and 18, probably not going to get Ole Miss in. Probably not going to happen. And I don't think they can, I don't think they can get 12. I I just don't. I I think this is an Ole Miss team too that, uh, I think this weekend will take a lot out of Now, Bianco has, again, built a career on putting together a good weekend in May. And the series are there to win, for sure. I mean, think about at Missouri, last place team in the East. Auburn, 
will likely be the next to last team in the West. And there's Alabama, a team that's kind of middle of the road. And so, again, the schedule lightens up for Ole Miss, but is the hole too big to dig yourself out of? I suspect that it is. But uh, I like the weekend. I always do. I think, we, again, we've got a chance to go win and kind of take a step forward. We discussed our path, you know, and I think getting to this weekend is paramount to that. You start thinking, we've got to find a way to get eight. You get to this weekend, you feel a lot better. You get three, which I don't expect. You feel like now it's almost a given. It's not, but you feel that way. But you feel certain at that point, if you win this series, you feel pretty confident you're going to make it to Hoover. But we're not going to get anywhere when it comes to the NCAA selection committee without at least 12 wins. And I think that's really leaving things up for grabs. I think you've got to get to 13. I think a 13-win Mississippi State team with a top 25 RPI gets in, probably even a top 30 RPI. So let's take a quick look at the RPI. Of course, we didn't play tonight, so, I mean, there's not, not a lot that we can do, right? But hopefully some teams around us help us a little bit. We, you know, the bottom line is we got to win games. Simple as that. we got to win games. Stayed now 27 in the RPI. We drop. We, we were up to 24 after last night's actions. We dropped a little bit tonight even without playing. So still in the top 30. Alabama's right there ahead of us, just one spot. And, again, I think you win a series, you leapfrog over those guys. Uh, I don't think that um, – Alabama's success is sustainable, even though Missouri, that would be a you know, quad one win for them and uh, probably leapfrog them in the RPI. But, again, I think, you know, State just needs to keep winning ballgames. There's not going to be some mathematic formula that's going to change anything for us, right? Like Southern Miss drops in the RPI tonight by six. They're a big dropper, right? Um, Indiana State moves up in the, in the top 15, number 12. You know, we don't play those guys, but there's just a lot out there. Like South Carolina gained no ground today, even though they beat Florida, because they're still chasing Kentucky. So it's all interesting. Now, you may have seen, too, D1 Baseball now projects Mississippi State as the three seed in the Wake Forest Regional. Wake Forest, currently the number three RPI team in the country, projected as the number two seed overall in the tournament with a strength of schedule of 35. Non-conference schedule is 197. They're 32 and 5. I, I would take it. I, I just I don't care where we go, but if we end up going to an ACC school, which we typically do when we go on the road, I'd be thrilled with that. I'd be thrilled going to Wake Forest. I would be. I think we could go win that thing. I do. And uh, again, a lot of it too is because of the the league in which we play in. I just don't think that uh, the ACC is on the level of the SEC right now. I don't. I know NC State got hot back in 2021. Uh, they're a good program. They are. I'll never forget that day walking into the tunnel and uh, being told to stop as they took the uh, positive COVID players from the North Carolina State dugout out of the dugout and put them in the clubhouse and then confined them behind the door. They were confined to the clubhouse and they put an armed guard on the door I had a chance to witness all that. It's a shame. Now, but here's the thing, too. I don't think North Carolina State would have beaten Vanderbilt. And the reason we were all rooting for North Carolina State is we felt that was the easier path for us. But I think poetically we needed to play Vanderbilt. But NC State, a good program. But I would not be upset about having to go play there either. And maybe that's what we should do. Maybe we should go play NC State. And maybe we can settle that once and for all, even though it's not the same teams. But you understand my point. But, um, yeah, the thing about it is we have talked on this show about, yes, there now is a path because we put together two winning weekends in, in conference play. 
There's a, pl- there's a place for us to continue, but you got to win this weekend. We're not going to get in on reputation. Everybody knows this. We're going to have to go play ball games. And uh, if I had to call it today, I say we probably win on Friday and then win on Sunday. You win on Friday and you find a way to win on Saturday. I, I think if you don't have tickets for Auburn, you need to come because we're going to need you there. And uh, a lot of people buying tickets. And it reminds me, too, somebody made a comment, too, on Twitter. And um, obviously, their listener of the show told me to get off my high horse or my pedestal or whatever. Listen, I, I'm not going to do that. And they say, well, hey, I can go buy tickets directly behind the bench at Auburn. Sure you can. Do you think that they are selling out at Auburn? Do you think that they have a waiting list to buy tickets in the chairbacks at Auburn? No, they don't. I check with our ticket office. We have over 1,100 names on the waiting list about chairbacks at Mississippi State. Now, some of those people already have chairbacks and want to add more. You have other people that have never had chairbacks and are trying to get in line to get them. And so let's just say, off the top of our hand, let's just say the average people want to get between two and four. Okay, that's between 2,500 and 3,000. Guys, we have 4,200 chairbacks. That's what we have, 4,200. And we could nearly sell it out again. So it's not the same thing. You're like, yeah, well, I can go on StubHub and buy a ticket behind the bench, behind the home plate at Auburn. It is not even close to being the same thing. We have to take care of our people. The demand for baseball tickets at Mississippi State is much greater than it is at Auburn or Alabama. You know, I don't know the situation at Arkansas. I, I know they have a really nice stadium there. It's not on a level of ours, but it's really nice. And a lot of people love the hog pen out there, which is kind of like the little brother of Left Field Lounge. But they love their baseball out there. And I suspect that there's some Arkansas fans there that would love to get chairbacks there too. And so there's a demand there. And so we're not talking apples to apples here. And I didn't want to get involved in some back and forth on Twitter. I wanted to kind of explain myself on the show. And one of the things, too, that I found, and I don't know this gentleman or this person's um, situation at all, so I know I'm judging them. I just don't agree with their opinion. I wanted to kind of expound on mine uh, because I don't think we're talking, you know, apples to apples situation. But one of the things that I found, and uh, years ago, and uh, my buddy Milo Nelson and I used to buy tickets to get a football. We sat on a 50-yard line, 20 rows up behind the Mississippi State bench. It was incredible. I loved it. Uh, Andy and I got to watch a lot of great games there, and I'm very appreciative of all the people, uh, the Hartzogs and people like that, uh, all from Lawrence County that uh, sat around us. And uh, for one year there, every ball game, and I mean every ball game, I had rival fans sitting behind me. Now, we had to come up with some money to buy those tickets, and all the people around us had to make pretty sizable contributions to the Bulldog Club to buy those tickets. And then somebody else bought those tickets behind us. So one week it's Alabama fans, the next week it's LSU fans, the next week it's Auburn fans. And let me just say this, that's not fair to us. That's not fair to all those people that pay all the premium dollars to sit with Mississippi State people. If they wanted to go sit with rival fans, they'd buy tickets in those sections. And so they're like, oh, well, somebody bought them and give them the clients. Okay, well, what about the rest of us? I mean, are we not a community and a family here? And listen, I get it, the whole thing, you know, we're not fans or family. You know, one of the things, and I give Mr. Hartzog credit, I can't remember his first name. His wife's name is Pam. Great Bulldogs, right? And I remember 
he gets up there and tells everybody, hey, listen, if there's one weekend you can't make it, you need to sell your tickets, let's all trade numbers. And we'll take care of each other. Because we didn't want a bunch of rival fans. We didn't want LSU and all those people sitting around us. We just wanted to be able to cheer with our fans and our family. And so that's the thing I think about. It's like when you decide to just go sell your tickets to anybody, what, what are you doing to your neighbors? What are you doing to people that uh, pay a lot of money for those tickets to you? Like, well, I bought them. I can do what I want to with them. Yeah, that, that's your right. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it a good thing. I, I, I have eaten more tickets than I've given away. Now, if I, if I can ensure that they're in Mississippi State fans, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that. I, I, listen, I remember I had a buddy of mine, Tim Bedrine, big LSU guy, huge LSU guy. And uh, he had his best friend was a guy that we worked with, a guy named Reven Desertel. Yeah, Reven Desertel. Yeah, exactly. And he was from Opelousas, Louisiana. So you can imagine he spent his whole life spelling. And one day we had, we had, our, we had our tickets. And uh, we ended up getting tickets. A friend that was involved with TAF gave tickets for us to sit in the suites. And I'm there. And it's, I'm just there, right? And uh, along with my friends. As a matter of fact, I think it was when, uh, it was, I want to say it was like 97 against Ole Miss. And so we're walking along there, and we had the ticket to sell. And um, we were just trying to sell it. You know, we had our, our two tickets. We were going to sell them. And, we encountered some old Miss people, wouldn't sell them to them. And there was some people, too, that we, we encountered that we almost sold them to. And Tim said, uh, yeah, but here's the deal. I don't want Reven to have to sit by that guy. I just don't want Reven to have to sit by that guy. He said, I'll eat the tickets before I have some obnoxious guy go sit by my friend. And it made an impression on me. I said, you know what? That's the way it should be. I've got a responsibility to people to sit around me to ensure that they still have a good time. And I can't, I, remember, I can't count the times that I've had some obnoxious rival fan sitting in you know, premium ticketing that's ruining everybody else's time. You know, we had it last weekend, you know, with Ole Miss fans sitting behind uh, our dugout and giving some of our fans a business. And those tickets obviously came from Bulldog fans. And I'm just going to tell you, it's wrong. I mean, there's no amount of money to me. I go, okay, what am I going to do? Make, make 40, 50 bucks on these tickets? Just so you can have a bad time? Just so I can go put some people next to you that you don't want to sit with? I mean, you went and paid this extra money, and you got on a waiting list, and you increased your Bulldog Club donation because you love Mississippi State, and I'm just going to spit in your face and disrespect you and make you sit by Ole Miss fans? I mean, come on. That's just wrong. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this rant, but I will eat tickets before I sell them to rival fans. And I don't care what they cost me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to show up the next week at a ball game and be like, hey, man, who'd you sell your tickets to? Because I've heard those conversations countless times. Guys, I was in the club level sitting in front of Bailey Howell when we lost to Maine. And the only four Maine fans in the state of Mississippi on that day were sitting next to me and Bailey Howell. How does that happen? Now, they were well-behaved. I give them credit. They weren't in there being obnoxious or anything. When they, when they scored late, the guy just said, let's go Maine. I didn't like it, but I, you know, I can hardly complain when he, he didn't make a set, peep the whole ball game, right? But how does that happen? It's like, oh, well, I'm just going to try to recoup my money on these tickets. Well, you've already spent the money. 
the money's already gone. It's not like you get billed week to week. I'm just encouraging you, man. I, I love all of you. I do. And I would never, ever, ever put you in a situation where your enjoyment at Davis Wade Stadium, Duty Noble Field, or Humphrey Coliseum, or News Park is diminished. And I get it. We don't have admission for News Park. You understand my point. I would ne- I know how much you look forward to coming to Starkville and cheering for your Bulldogs. I would never be responsible for diminishing your time with your friends and family at a Mississippi State game. I just wouldn't do it. Maybe you feel differently. I will not back down from this. Absolutely not. And uh, I'm going to have a meeting with some people here soon, and I'm going to express my concerns, and I'm going to say, hey, here's what I've seen. They may not do anything about it, but I'm going to be heard, and I'm going to go out there and say, hey, this should never happen. This should never happen. And if we find out this continues to happen, especially with the demand for, for, uh, for grandstands, for chairbacks, again, we got 1,100 people waiting to buy chairbacks, multiple chairbacks. And so if we have people that are repeatedly and continuously selling their tickets to other fans, then I think you need you need to say, hey, listen, we're not going to sell you chairbacks this year. We're happy to sell you SRR tickets. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. It's not best for the program. It's not best for your fellow fans. We're just not going to do it because we can replace you tomorrow. We can fill your tickets tomorrow. We can call somebody else right here today and say, hey, it's your time to get chairbacks. How many do you want? It's a responsibility, man. There's a responsibility to the rest of the fan base and the people that sit around you to ensure that a good time is had by all. And uh, it's like one th- I remember being in club level for the Egg Bowl several years ago. And, uh, you know, the club level was great. I mean, it, it is. And you're walking around there, and there's, uh, there's all Miss fans in the club level being obnoxious, you know, wearing their stuff. And then uh, Diamond Club two years ago, you know, there's all Miss fans down in the Diamond Club. Well, they didn't just get those tickets by accident. One of you sold them to them. And then people come to our message boards like, hey, I pay all this money not to have to sit with rival fans, and here we are. It's not fair. All right, let's uh, wrap the show up now. Final segment with uh, Portico. I've told you guys before, the reality of it is, is uh, if you're moving to Starkville, you need to go and give Portico an opportunity. You need to go take a look around there. I think you're going to be very happy with what you see there. You can start with a real cool and cute little two-bedroom, two-bath home and go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Maybe it's a second home for you. Maybe you don't need the four-bedroom home. You're like, hey, Steve, listen, we're going to be empty nesters. The kids are going to be out of the house. We're going to downsize and move to Starkville. We're going to retire up there. Um, So that's the way to go, right? And so phase one's completely sold out. So there's already a lot of neighbors around. Phase two is under development now. A lot of those homes are already sold. And uh, there are some lots available, too, so you can kind of pick and choose what you want. Have a say in your house plans. Pick out your lot. That's a cool thing to be able to do. That Get your house built the way you want it. If you want a custom build, they can help you with that. Reach out to my friend, your friend, Mississippi State friend, Brooks Bryan, a member of the 97-98 College World Series teams. You may not know this, but he robbed a home run against the University of Washington to send us to Omaha. And so for that and that reason alone, if you're considering moving up here, you owe it to Brooks to give him a call. 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move.
All right, in the time that we have left, I wanted to give you an update too on the uh, on the transfer portal, right? So I told you guys back after signing day, we would have a bit of a rash of these in the spring, and we have, and uh, it's always disappointing. It is, but it's the reality of the life in which we live right now. Now I want to go back to back to February the sixth. Caleb Ducking went in the portal. I told you guys then he didn't have any eligibility left. Uh, he would, it would require a waiver, and if a waiver would be granted, Mississippi State certainly would have wanted to retain him. I'm told even sources in the SEC office, there's just no way in order for him to get another year of eligibility uh, to remain at Mississippi State. And so based on what we're hearing, you know, his college career is done. I know he went in the portal and everybody kind of freaked out. And uh, to this day, he hasn't named a new school because I don't think that anybody can sign him. All right, William Hardrick. Went in the portal back on April the 15th. William Hardrick, you may recall, was a guy that was a very questionable take a couple of years ago. He was a guy actually was going to be gray-shirted by Arkansas State, and we took him. And it, a lot of people scratched their heads. So it's no surprise that he's in the portal now. And I uh, wish him the best. He came in here. He played hard, did the best he could. He just simply wasn't good enough to get on the field. But uh, coming here and hung in here for a while, and hopefully – it's probably put him in a position now where he can land at a four-year school and complete his college education and get a degree and, um, and have a chance to get on the field. He wasn't going to play here. But we do appreciate his contributions to Mississippi State football, and uh, he doesn't leave under any negative circumstances. He just wants to be able to play, and he's not going to be able to play here. Marquez Dortch, that's a big, that's a big disappointment there. It really is. Marquez Dortch, of course, a guy that was, uh, you know, a back-and-forth deal between State and Ole Miss for a long time. State gets him. Ole Miss tried to get back in the mix with him late. He, he sticks with State. And um, showed some flashes last year in practice. And uh, you know, didn't get on the field much. We expected this year to be a year for him to kind of break out a little bit. And uh, go, we go through spring with a new staff, and now he's in the portal. And, again, wish him the best. But I, what's interesting to me, too, is, like, I, I go back and look at these George County kids, right? You know, Dylan Lawrence came in, and I think we got our scholarship money out of Dylan Lawrence. He was a backup safety and a special teams guy. Um, the last guy we signed in that class got his degree, and now he's transferring. I don't know where he's going, but Dylan Lawrence ultimately doesn't finish his career at Mississippi State, Right. You know, we, we, we all saw it, right? And then there was MJ Daniels. You know, you remember all the craziness with MJ Daniels. And, of course, there were some people, you know, he was committed to Ole Miss. He flipped to Mississippi State, so that's where he always wanted to be. And he flips to Ole Miss on signing day. And there's all these shenanigans and stuff that went on with all that stuff. And then he never really gets on the field at Ole Miss. And he transfers. And now Marquez Dorch is transferred. And so I don't, I don't say that to say anything negative about George County because they obviously play a pretty good brand of football down there. They're producing you know, college players. But it's just interesting that the last three guys from that program that uh, you know, have done such a good job you know, on the high school level ended up in the portal. And going back a couple of years, you know, McKinley Jackson, who I thought was the best player in the state that year, you know, he's had some issues. You know, at Texas A&M, he hadn't got into the portal, uh, but ended up being a team captain last year for them. You know, so he's kind of hung in there. And, uh, you know, I, I think he is going to live up to his potential. But, you know, there was talk early on that he may leave. And, of course, again, he missed some time due to some off-the-field issues. But uh, we'll head into this year as a senior and, and hopefully do well. But uh, it's just interesting. 
you know, that you wonder what the common thread is because, you know, the, the schools are different, right? But that's just kind of been an issue, kind of uh, a trend that I've seen here. And, and I think maybe it's because everybody's friends. Like, I'm going to get in the portal. Oh, well, he did it. You know, that happens a lot of times, too. It's like, you know, and Dylan Lawrence, of course, Dylan gave us everything he had. You know, he was always, again, kind of a marginal take, but a great young man, for sure. I wish all these guys the best. Uh, Lucas Taylor is a guy that we thought was going to be like our center of the future. Worked him some there last year, uh, you know, bowl prep, that kind of stuff. And now he is in the portal. Jackson Cannon was a guy that was a bit of a, again, kind of a reach, but a developmental guy. Got to love Mississippi State. And now he's in the portal. And so all that happens, all three of those guys go in is basically as soon as the spring game is over. So spring is over. They kind of get an idea of where they fit in our plans. And so, you know what? I want to get on the field somewhere. And it's not always somebody's fault, right? We, we've made a schematic change to what we're going to do offensively. And maybe they don't fit what we want, or perhaps we don't fit what they want. Now that there's been a change in the responsibilities of an offensive lineman, they say, you know what? I need to be in a different scheme. I need to be somewhere where my attributes and my skills are better used. So, it's, again, it's not anybody's fault. And then today, of course, Caden Pope, wide receiver, uh, a guy that I really liked a lot. He, he showed some flashes last year in practice. We were excited about him, part of a really good receiver class. And now he's in the portal. So you've had, you know, basically five guys go in over the course of uh, the last uh, week. And so it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with your program. Now that the transfer portal window is open, you're going to have some of this. Now, of course, there is still the prohibition on transferring within the conference. You got to go in by February 1. You got to declare that you're going in the portal by February 1 to transfer within the conference. These guys didn't do that. So they won't be transferring to an SEC school unless the SEC changes the rule, and I've been told they're not going to. Um, and you never know, right? You never know. There have been times in the past, like the SEC says, we're not going to allow immediate eligibility for in-conference transfers. And then everybody else in the Power Five is like, cool, we'll just take them in the Big 12 and the ACC. So the SEC had to kind of fold. Uh, but it doesn't appear that's going to be the case at this point. But we'll see. But so, yeah, and I, you still got to have one to maybe two more guys go because states probably got to get another one or two guys out of the portal, right? And so it's important to kind of understand that too. This is basically the world we're living in now. And the people are like, Steve, I don't like NIL. I don't like Transfer Portal. Well, let me tell you this. It's not going away. Now, there will be some guardrails kind of put around NIL here in the year ahead. I've heard that from enough people that uh, there are going to be some changes in kind of how things work. And it's so difficult like, to put things in and then to take things out. Once you give people freedom, it's difficult to restrict them, right? But I understand there is going to be some changes made in how NIL is facilitated. And that, that needs to happen. We, we all agree the current model is not sustainable. It's just not. Now, the transfer portal, I think, can be a very good thing. And I think the fact that we put these windows in kind of gives your coaches the ability to coach guys and gals and, uh, and say, hey, here's the deal. And if a, if a young man or young lady is upset for a day, the moment can pass. You know, in the past, it's like, well, screw this. I'm going to get in the portal. There are a lot of people out there. It's like that, that's their whole attitude. It's just, you know, let's forget everything and run. You know, and um, I think now with the windows, there's not this immediate, you know, if you get your feelings hurt, there is a chance for some reconciliation. You know, it's just, you know, it, there was this knee-jerk reaction, you know, knee-jerk reaction, like if somebody – 
uh, got cut or somebody got, um, you know, dropped down a depth chart, well, I'll just go run and get in the portal. And once it's out there, you know, all of a sudden you start having all these new people that are hitting you up. I mean, it's just like, you know, uh, like your ex-girlfriend, right? As soon as she changed her Facebook profile to single or whatever, or deleted your pictures off Instagram, all of a sudden their DMs filled up, right? And so that's just kind of how it works. It's like, I'm going to go get in the portal. And once it's out there, it's out there. And all these people's like, oh, we want you. We love you. And it's like, oh, well, it's got to be better than here. And so it's so difficult to bring them back once they get in the portal because everybody's like, well, this will be better. I need a fresh start. So I like the fact that we have done some things to kind of curtail some of that. we got to really crack that on tampering. But be prepared at the end of every semester. After the fall and after the spring, you're going to see people hit the portal. You are. Now, it's a little different now. It's a little more structured and regulated now because before you'd be in the middle of practice, right? And all of a sudden somebody's in the portal and you're having to deal with this never-ending news cycle. Uh, so that's changing. All right, listen, I'll be back on Monday. Of course, I told you it's going to be a busy couple of weeks and uh, be even busier after that. Got a lot going on between now and the end of May, uh, but you're still going to get your three shows a week. And what you need to do, too, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilebook.com. My sports books are there with the exception of Starkville ones. You'll have to buy those from your local bookstores. Uh, you can get Alpha Dogs, Stark, Alpha Dogs, Dogpile, and Flim Flam from the website. It's dogpilebook.com. Bloomsville, the end, of course, available through uh, the local uh, retailers here in Starkville, but also through Amazon.com, BarnesNoble.com, BooksMillion.com. I'm probably not going to renew that one. And so once this year is over, that'll be out of print. So I just don't think I'm going to renew that. I mean, we sold a bunch of books already. Uh, I just don't know if it's worth, you know, the expense to, to keep it in print and renew it again. Uh, you know, it's been out there. I think everybody's bought this book has probably bought the book, right? I don't, I don't think there's going to be a big rush on books here uh, on Bloomsville Leander. I was happy to have done it, proud to have done it, but uh, probably not going to renew that for another year. So if you need to get it, you need to do it now. And Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. If you're not a member at JeansPage.com, what are you doing with your life? Come join our wonderful band of misfits over at JeansPage.com, the 247 Sports Affiliate for Mississippi State. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.